please have your attention. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show. Today, health insurance reform is the law of the land. The health care law was supposed to keep medical costs down, but a new report says your payments are expected to jump. Uh, I think I made a mistake. Robert Scott Bell. A coalition of public health advocates targeting Ronald McDonald. I'd love to see Ronald McDonald retired. Let's kill him off like we did Joe Camel. Robert Scott Bell. Scott Bell. Side effects may include depressed mood, thoughts of suicide, insomnia, suicide may occur, diarrhea, unusual or strange dreams, agitation, sexual side effects, drowsiness, dizziness, and nausea, hostility, trouble sleeping, seizures, various skin reactions, thoughts of suicide, of suicide may occur. Oh yeah, drugs. You gotta have drugs. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. I can't stand it. It's been since last year since I had some live advanced medicine, Dr. Vitar. Where have you been? I've been right here, man. I've been waiting for you. I've been holding this slight pattern, just waiting for you. <laughs> well, happy New Year, my friend. It's good to be, good to be back on board uh, with the advanced medicine organic non-GMO freight train into the new year. So, uh, you know, Robert, we, I, I'm used mm-hmm. to hearing the advanced medicine Monday uh, soundtrack that Super Don did, but so I haven't heard this uh, in a while. Uh, maybe it's been changed, but it's so funny with all those side effects that were that were being rolled off. You know, seizures and, and bleeding disorders and all these other side effects for the introduction. Mm-hmm. And it it made me think um, it made me think that it's it's almost there's no way but to feel better after hearing that and then getting on with the Robert Scott Bell show because it's it's that reverse psychology you know you hit somebody in the forehead and you said you know you, uh, have I healed you so the the release of the pain after being hit in the forehead what they say the the healers do yes it's a uh, it's it's just a because of the cessation of the pain, you feel that you're doing better. So that's <laughs> yes. a great strategy that you point all those things out, and the people already feel better as soon as you stop talking about it. It's it's Doctor Mister Super Don to you because he puts this stuff together. You know, look out, don't try this at home. Yeah, the, the right. advanced medicine with Doctor Batar here on the Robert Scott Bell Show comes with side benefits, no side effects. Side benefits, uh, which leads us really funnily, funnily enough. To our new story. By the way, folks, because um, we had the last two Mondays fell on holidays, we actually have Doctor Batar on live a day late, and it's not uh, it's not late. The news is still just as good. And in fact, I might just ask you this next week. I might have to do it again because I'll be traveling back from Davenport, Iowa, after doing an integrative medical conference I'm speaking at. So <laughs> we're we're doing Advanced Medicine Tuesdays inadvertently. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No problem. Okay, just it, not making a habit of it, but just it's just ha- the way the calendar fell this time. Anyway, so the first story out of, out of Scientific American here uh, for the new year, January 2017 issue, hidden side effects. Medical studies often leave out adverse outcomes. Now, I was thinking about this. I was like, if only they could leave out the side effects when they approve the drugs. Of course, not possible, but wouldn't that be something? Because as they leave out the adverse effects or outcomes in their studies, the drugs come with all of them that they neglect to mention. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, um, sometimes that um, the omission of information is as detrimental as misinformation. Well, yeah, you're right. If you just simply leave out the fact 
that there are adverse events and outcomes to the drug studies and just pretend that it's not there. And then when it comes out, then you discover them. I mean, it, it seems to be, you know, when we go to the oxymoron of medical ethics, that's what's playing out here, according to this Scientific American article. Yeah, exactly. So that there's an adage that it's sometimes better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. They're almost taking that type of stance. They're, they're not talking about the side effects, and then when it comes out, then they, then they sort of address the side effects or will, will bring attention to it. But, you know, this is a perfect example with the statin drugs. So the original studies of the statin drugs showed that, you, that the, the ubiquinone levels, coenzyme Q10 levels, fell with the use of statin drugs. And so that the conclusion of the studies on the statin drugs was that you should always be given with supplemental coenzyme Q10. But then when it went to market, when the products went to market, when these new drugs went to the market, the drug companies conveniently left that information out, even though that's what the conclusion of the studies were. And so years later, when they started seeing the increase in hepatocellular carcinoma and all the other side effects associated with the statin drugs, uh, and you know, Robert, there's a very, very high statistically significant increased risk with liver cancer when people are on statin drugs. Yes. When they started talking about the fact that, well, the, the coenzyme Q level, levels were so low and that that's one reason people start feeling this fatigue in their muscles and all these other side effects. And then they talked about, well, why are we not using the coenzyme Q10 as a study showed? They said, well, you know, the reason we didn't, talk, didn't recommend coenzyme Q10 was because of the expense of the coenzyme Q10. It was the additional expense of the supplement that prevented them from talking about it in their marketing propaganda material for the recommendation of using coenzyme Q10 with the statin drugs. So this is the same type of phenomenon you're talking about. Yeah, but how big a problem is it really? Maybe maybe we're just exaggerating because we're biased, right? We're not like drug first, drug everything people, right? So it's probably Dr. Batar and RSB just exaggerating a bit. And I'm looking at this and going, hmm, maybe, okay, let's look. Well, this new analysis estimates that oh, only almost half of all clinical studies, the data, the raw data goes missing once it's published. So nobody can go back and track it down and say, is this legit? Can we duplicate it? Or is it purposefully glossed over because it isn't the conclusion that they say it is? 50% nearly. And I bet you that is a very, very conservative estimate. I bet you the actual numbers are even higher than that, Robert. Um, this is one of the reasons that when people ask me, this is people that come into social contact, you know, first time and they've learned what we're doing, and mm-hmm. they always ask, well, this sounds amazing. Have you published any of this? Doctors will ask me that. In fact, New Year's Eve, there was a dentist that I was with and uh, um, mutual friend and, and was pretty excited and um, intrigued by some of the things that he learned as we were talking. And so his first question was, well, have you published any of this? <laughs> like, for what purpose? You know, uh, because first of all, half the stuff that's out there is all garbage, and the second, the uh, other half that's not garbage uh, is worse than garbage because it was made up. It was conjured out of thin air, and none of the data is even there. It was just completely um, pulled out of thin air. And uh, so there's no purpose, in, in my opinion at least, to publish some of this data because the people that it's going to make a difference in, the people that are going to listen to this, research and actually make a difference in this uh, based upon the research that's published, they're already aware and they're already doing things differently. And the ones that are not going to be 
um, moved by the research aren't going to read the research in the first place. So what's the purpose of doing the research? Either you're already aware or you're not. I think Confucius said, but those who understand, no explanation is necessary. But those who do not understand, no explanation is possible. <laughs> yeah, you said that right. And the other thing is, if you do publish, they'll wakefield you. You learned that early on, that if you submitted a, pub, uh, 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 a paper for publication and it referenced mercury or autism, it wasn't going to get published anyway. But if it happened to sneak through, as what happened with Wakefield and some others, the Serolini study on GMOs, they will pull it, discredit it, and attack you ad hominem yeah. to destroy your that's reputation. Right. right, that's exactly right. The GMO one is a very good example. Thank God that uh, those people, uh, the, the people that were responsible for the GMO study, they didn't take it laying down. And I understand there was a group of them, and in French court, I believe it went to their the analogous uh, uh, Supreme Court. Yeah, Supreme Court, right, right, exactly. And, and they won. Yeah, they did. And, and of course, the study's been du- replicated. And also true, uh, that the Wakefield study was also found to be non, uh, what did they say? It was somehow fraudulent. It wasn't fraudulent at all. And, of course, the Lancet refuses to publish it uh, to this day, even though they retracted it for no real good reason. Uh, so you're right. The, to go through the peer-reviewed literature, as much as we'd like to believe it's a gold standard, it's above reproach, and you can rely upon the data, we've referenced it here. The head of the New England Journal of Medicine, the head of the JAMA Journal, the head of Lancet, all been on the record saying, we don't even know what is real science anymore, what's legitimate in these in these uh, articles. We can't tell. And so when you have something like this occurring and Scientific American comes out and says, yeah, half or, now you say more, Dr. Batar, of the data disappears after it's published. Now, according to this, they're saying in the U.S. that investigators conducting clinical trials will have to make all of their findings publicly available, no matter what the outcome of the study is, thanks to a new rule from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Now, the question is, what do they do with this? Because that could be devastating, devastating to the peer-reviewed literature as it promotes big pharma drugs, which is its reason for being at this point. Yeah, um, but that's a good thing for us. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, for the people, it's a good thing. Less fraudulent data, perhaps, being published at all or or making it through the peer-reviewed process. But... The question is, will they just go elsewhere, right? Would they, well, I could just go to foreign uh, universities, foreign uh, paper journals, and and publish there. Yeah, um, believe it or not, Robert, the foreign publishing houses, the foreign journals actually have a higher level of integrity, I believe. So their standards may be higher out there. Right. Well, they're, they're not going to um, take the money from the pharmaceutical companies. See, there's so many subvert things that happen, and that's the problem. The foreign journals are less prone to that type of wheeling and dealing, and if you do this, we'll do that type of thing. Uh, that's at least what my experience has been. In fact, some of the toxicology journals, the International Journal of Toxicology was the one that published the data years ago where they found that mercury levels in the hair of normal children was a lot higher than that in autistic children. And um, then the conclusion was that, of course, that why is it higher in normal children? Well, because they're getting rid of it. And in autistic children, because they're not getting rid of the mercury, it's higher level uh, of in the body and less found in the hair itself. So when you look at the absolute hair specimens, autistic children had lower levels of mercury. So if somebody just to, it's just to review it based upon 
what's right in front of you without any interpretation, you'd say, well, clearly mercury has nothing to do with autism because the children that are neurotypic have higher level of mercury in their hair. And this was actually brought up at a conference, at an A4M conference that I was giving a lecture at, and a doctor stood up and basically challenged me on this complete point by saying that, hey, the studies already show that children with neurotypic behavior, children that are neurotypic, have higher levels of mercury in their hair. So your uh, (laughs) assumption and your... Uh, supposition that the mercury is the cause, the ideology of autism is this flawed. Basically. Of course, Dr. Batar, they seem to not know biological pathways of excretion. They need to go back to grade school and learn some of it. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break yeah. here. Dr. Rashi Batar is on with me. We're doing advanced medicine. Hey, how about some facts about polio that the CDC wishes you didn't know? That's coming up next. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. So, Dr. Batar, let me get this right. You were saying that in the cases of the non-autistic children, higher levels of mercury detected in the hair and those with autism they didn't detect that so they said it's opposite dr batar you're wrong about the mercury hypothesis because look at all the mercury in the hair of these people and i said they don't know pathways of excretion they need to go back to school am i missing anything here yeah well that's exactly the thing i mean i i was in front of about 1200 1300 doctors and so i'm looking around the audience i said am i the only one who who gets it here i mean is, is anybody else getting this and, then, you know, the audience was kind of quiet. And I said to the doctor, who felt so enamored by this conversation, that he stood up. He's sitting in the audience standing up because he wanted to be acknowledged that, you know, he was the one who um, pointed out the yeah. insightful. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> so, so are you suggesting that we start to supplement our autistic children with mercury to bring their hair level of mercury <laughs> up to the same level as the neurotypical children? Is that what you're saying? Oh, my and God. And he's kind of standing there, and everybody starts laughing. And I said... The reason the mercury is not in their hair in autistic children is because it's not coming out. Hair is a dead tissue. It's excrement. So everything that's coming out is, is, is processing out of the body. But when you see a certain population that's not able to get it out, because everybody has mercury. That's not the issue. Everybody has mercury. Why do you see some people end up having a problem with the mercury? It's because their bodies, one, can't excrete it, and two, their ability to handle the mercury their genetic predisposition to be able to process that mercury is not the same as other people. So mercury is detrimental to the whole, the whole, every living organism. It's that certain people can get rid of it and other people can't. And neurotypic children can get rid of it. So that's why you see higher levels of mercury in their hair because they're getting rid of it. In the patients that can't get rid of it, you don't see any mercury. That's because it's staying in the body. It's not getting out. And so having to explain these things sometimes to patients, you know, it's, it's the Modern medicine has this mentality, and I've said this before on the show, it's been a while since i said this, but the modern mentality of medicine is that every time I see fires, I see fire engines. Therefore, I conclude that fire engines cause fires. They're, not, they're just looking at it for the surface value. They don't understand causation. They don't understand or they don't even look for causation. They don't understand that, ah, maybe the fire engines are actually coming in response to the fires. No, they see fire engines. They see fires, they conclude that fire engines must cause fires. It's a complete idiocy as Mm. far as an argument is concerned. We need to change our mindset 
in medicine, and we, should, we need to change our mindset and everything, but in medicine especially, so that we look at, okay, if we see this and we see this, then what are the implications? What are the possible relationships? What causation can it be? Can A be causing B? Can B be causing A? Can something else be causing A and B to re- respond this way? But there's maybe not, it's a very, very super... Dr. Bittar, maybe in a... Go ahead. I say, in addition to learning basic physiological pathways of excretion, they should probably be taught logic in medical school as well. Well, I think that would be a very good place to start, Robert. Common sense. Yeah. Definitely deficient. And it's also deficient in uh, the reporting on polio in the 20th century and its supposed eradication. We've talked about this. This is still one of the big controversies anytime we talk about vaccines and how uh, the way they're done today are just so devastating, you wouldn't want to get anywhere near them, right? And then they say, but what about polio? They always come back to that, but what about polio? Well, people that say that don't know the real history of polio and the fact that we're dealing with a toxicological overwhelming assault with primarily DDT in the middle part of the 20th century, and that the vaccine itself didn't actually eradicate polio. In fact, in many cases, it caused paralysis. And it wasn't until they, well, how far do we go with this? Because there's a lot of interesting facts in this article we have linked up in the show notes at robertscoutbell.com. Yeah, I mean, this, 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 is a, this is a rabbit hole that we can go down and we could do a couple of shows on this very subject. I mean, it's, it's a problem and it's something that needs to be, and it needs to be corrected. It needs to be called out because isn't that the case? You hear that, but what about polio? You, you go through all of the issues of toxic deficiencies if I can say it that way, of awareness of vaccines, when they say, oh, they're safe, they're effective. And you go, no, because of this, because of this, because of this. It, you know, the concept may be okay as a, as a theory, but the way you're applying it is devastating to the brain and nervous system, not only the mercury, but if you go back to DDT and other things. And these toxicological assaults can result in paralysis. Viruses, if they're even there, are, you know, kind of like the fireman shows up. And you say it's the cause. Right. Well, could it be that it's the result of you know spewing out genetic material from cells that have been so poisoned they're just trying to survive? And that's the thing that we've talked about before. Uh, a couple of years ago, we talked about in the show that the CDCs, when they have a uh, response team that goes out, we always hear about the infectious diseases response team, but we rarely hear about the other response team, which is the toxicological response team. And that's really where the key is. The toxicological team is looking at these toxicity aspects, and, and they don't get any of the limelight. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we've got... Uh, done on the infectious component, you know? Yes. The Ebola and this and that. All right, we got a break. When we come back, we've got a question of the day from Debbie related to cancer, cancer treatment, as well as uh, the CDC doing something good related to lead levels. Yes, the CDC is doing something good, perhaps. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. Two hours a day, six days a week, broadcasting live on GCN, our home and broadcast radio syndication, and around the world on UK Health Radio and iTunes, on SoundCloud, on uh, you, yeah, just so many places you can listen, including if you ever miss it, a segment of Advanced Medicine, our special hour with Dr. Batar each week, you can go to medicalrewind.com, and there are hundreds and hundreds of hours of downloadable information for free uh, to benefit you and to bring that power to heal back where it belongs. Now, Dr. Batar, from time to time, folks will call in, they'll write in, and, of course, that leads to the time to answer some questions. Excuse me. 
I'd like to ask you a few questions. All right, our first official question of the new year. For Dr. Batar and myself, it is coming from Debbie, and she's writing about her son-in-law, Adam, was diagnosed with uh, AML, acute myeloid leukemia. And he's been through the mill, Dr. Batar. He was uh, in the hospital for two months, received two rounds of chemo. And while he was there, believe it or not, he also suffered from serious, mysterious, serious infections and heart issues, unexplained heart issues. Could this have anything to do with the chemo he was given? Um, the, the bear poop in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, that's a classic case of chemo Im- impacting the heart. I mean, how many times have we seen pu- peer-reviewed published studies, in fact, talking about the damage to heart tissue? But that happens. Sometimes it's later that they detect it, but this time it's within two months. Yeah, I mean, we, we've covered, actually, uh, like you said, we've actually on this show covered those studies. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then the you, you know, one of the... Aspect. And one of the keys in your international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, we talk about the different toxicities, and that includes opportunistic infections. And in this case, hospital-acquired, you can call them nosocomial. Absolutely. And, the, and those, those are the worst kind because they are refractory to practically everything, uh, especially the conventional antibiotic therapies that are being used. So they're, they call them drug-resistant because they've, been propagating in an environment that is surrounded by this high dose antibiotic. They basically say to being was because it's methyl resistant staph aureus that is most prevalent that you find in the hospitals. Right, right. And on, on top of that, uh, now they're saying that as he went back to the hospital, they're saying that the chemo or the cancer he has, the cells are back and they're resistant. So now they got to put him on another chemo drug. And so this woman, the mom, is very concerned, rightfully so. And she went out and, and, and found the truth about cancer, Ultimate Live Symposium, saw you, saw me, saw a lot of cool guys and gals teaching about these things. And so she's convinced that the chemo and stem cell transplant issue for her son-in-law, Adam, is not going to work. Now, I, I don't want her to tell him that necessarily unless he comes to that conclusion. This is a delicate situation. But her question basically is about guidance, Right. Is there somewhere that her son-in-law can go? I mean, this is a loaded question. We've covered things like this before. You can't force a person to go where they don't want to go. But let's say that Adam does want to go a different route. And the question is, does he come to see someone like you? Does he go to see someone like our friend Dr. Tony Jimenez or others that are featured in there? And, and, and how, do you, how do you give somebody information like that? Well, I think that this comes down to the same uh, component that we've talked about before. People have to find and tap into their own innate higher intelligence and allow that to be the guidance. The problem is people become so inundated with the fear of having cancer and then the confusion and the discourse and the so-called experts that come into the play and then you've got your family members and everybody wants to do a different thing because they all, although well-wishing, think that they know something that other people don't, and so they want to impose their will upon the patient. And it comes down to the same situation over and over again. People need to pray, meditate, contemplate, and come to their own conclusion. They need to ask for guidance. Yes. Uh, this type of a question actually is, you know, it's a question that's motivated by fear, which is how most questions are motivated by fear. 
Uh, and really, the first thing is to dissipate the fear. And the only way you can dissipate the fear is by acknowledging the existence of the Creator and, and the supremacy of the Creator, and then ask for guidance. And once the guidance is given, then move into that as quickly and as powerfully as you can. So, yeah, exa- intention. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was just going to give a formula for those sure. that are formula oriented. Intention, which is basically a prayer, a non denominational, non religious prayer, an intention. What do I intend to happen? So your what what you desire that intention mm-hmm. plus results. I'm sorry, intention plus action equals results. So first you have to set the intention, then you have to take action, whatever that intention is, and then do something proactive towards it, and that's when you're going to get the result. But to be sitting there in a state of fear and to ask questions that are fear motivated, um, it's not going to allow you to get what you need to get to. You need to. This is a place. This is a place from inside. This is a place where one needs to spend time in, in that isolation and prayer meditation. And, and the worst part is this is a lady that's talking. She's not the patient. So does she actually falls into that category of those well-wishers that want right. to impose their belief, you know, even though she may be well-guided and her belief is consistent with our belief, that doesn't mean that it's his right answer. And she needs well, to honor his right answer. It's so very important that you bring that up again. Because, again, well, well-wishers, well-meaning people, especially family members, and there are times when the folks that we see that are suffering are not ready, prepared to take the path we perceive to be the right path for them. And even in the choice of a doctor, right? Somebody might say, oh, Dr. Batar, I love you. I want my so-and-so to come see you. And they, that so-and-so will not resonate with you as you being the right guy for him or her. Rob, it doesn't I mean... Wanna, I, you know, this is so crucial. I'm, go ahead, finish finish that because this is so crucial. And I, I hope people really understand that this is one of those. This is going to be one of those shows that people need to listen to again. So go ahead and finish that thought because I want to add to that. Yeah. So the po- the point in saying that is not that Doctor Batar is not an awesome doctor. He is. I'm bragging on him. But it might be our friend Doctor Tony Jimenez who has a lot of similarities, some differences. That is the right doctor for that. You know that that's the thing about all. I, I've been to dentists to remove mercury. And had great success. In fact, the one I used in Atlanta years ago was great. And another person went there and said, oh, it's the worst experience ever. How do you equate the two things that can happen with the same person? That's exactly right. And I'll just tell a quick short story. I had a patient about six months ago that uh, had been following us for years. She's a 42-year-old drug rep with cancer. And uh, she is, I mean, I get on the phone with her and she's, just besides herself. She's telling her husband, I can't believe I'm talking to Dr. Batar. She's read all the material I've written. She's read the book. She's watched all the DVDs. She's come to live events. She'd come to a couple of our advanced medicine seminars, this, that, the other, et cetera, et cetera. And just like, you know, total groupie. And I felt like a rock star. And she was just really, really animated, very, very excited to be on the call. Well, by the end of that consult, she was in tears. She was crying. And I had to, you know, wake her up. I mean, do I love her enough to open her up and re- make her realize what she's doing, or do I just kind of you know, gloss over it? And this is where this woman was. The, the, the perfect doctor for the perfect patient, you can see this person was so engrossed in me, and here's what the conclusion was. She's talking about um, when my naturopath told me this, and when my chiropractor told me that, and when my acupuncturist told me this, and I knew I would never get chemo and radiation if I ever got cancer, but I've had chemo now, and now I'm thinking about radiation, and I want you to tell me what you think. Oh, my god! And gosh. I'm like, what? I'm yeah. listening to this, and, and I said, well, I thought you said you'd never get chemo and radiation, and, and that's what you said, but when you didn't have cancer, you thought you'd never get it. She goes, oh, no, I never would. And I said, but didn't you just say you had chemo, and now you're thinking about radiation? She goes, yeah. 
So I said, what am I missing? She goes, well, you know, I never expected to get cancer when I was so young. And now I'm so, now that I've gotten cancer, I figured, okay, I'm just going to go with the big guns and then I'll go back. And I'm thinking, this woman is living in conflict. Right. Huge, huge fan of me, but I'm definitely the wrong doctor for her. And I, by trying to set her straight, I traumatized her because I had to tell her, listen, you are living in conflict. And if you want to get rid of cancer, you've got to get rid of the conflict. And I asked her husband, I said, listen, before I even said this, I said, do you see what the problem is here? And he says, yes. And I said, in one word, tell me what the problem is. And he hesitates over the next 30 seconds. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought oh, you, you got this. And he goes, no, no. He goes, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dr. Pitar. He goes, the problem is for me, that one word. You said, do it in one word. So I said, okay, take as many words as you want. And then he basically explained to his one wife that, you know, babe, you are in conflict. And I mm. said, that's exactly what it is. That one word was conflict. So, so it shows you that somebody may really, really love that doctor, but that doctor isn't necessarily the right person for that, uh, for, for, for that particular patient or vice versa because it's based upon who connects with you. I've had patients that I'm screaming at. And, you know, those patients will not go to any other doctor. And I've been in screaming matches with them. So <laughs> I, I may not be friends with them, but they don't trust anybody else. So right. it's really, really important that you find the right mix for you. Mm-hmm. And it can't be you finding the mix for your son-in-law. It must be your son-in-law finds the right mix. with his son-in-law or son? Son-in-law? Son-in-law, yeah, yeah. And in this case, again, if you look at what we were able to do with Ty, our good buddy, at the Ultimate Live Symposium, much less the, everything else that preceded it, there were a whole lot of, you know, really gifted healers, people that had great intelligence that are, you know, most for the most part, I, I detected all sincerity. And, uh, you know, so th- from zero to suddenly a lot of options, because many people would have never known about that had not that come out. So, y- you know, you may gravitate to Dr. Batar's words or even my words doesn't necessarily mean that your son-in-law is going to say, you know, that's who I want to see, per se, or it's the right person for that. But again, we come back to this and people say, well, that, is that a cop-out to say prayer and contemplation and meditation? No, I think it's a, it's a cop-out not to consider that as a vital tool in choosing any path in life, much less one that could result in life or death. You're, you're absolutely right, Robert, and that's the key right there. It's, it's not a cop-out. It is the truth. If a person wants to call it a cop-out, then it's their prerogative to do so, but it is not a cop-out. It is the most important thing to do. You must have that clarity of thought. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, and if you don't, it might be that you've got too much lead in your system. And weirdly enough, the CDC is considering lowering the threshold for lead exposure, and my only explanation for this besides the toxicologist being right is that that organization and the government is being shamed into it because of what happened in Flint and other cities where the government institutions failed the people from the state level all the way up to the federal level, and now they have to have to acknowledge that lead is not good for you, even at low levels. Yeah, and the studies have been done. This was prior to, uh, I think, prior to 2000. So this is 16, 17-year-old studies now talking about how low-level lead is more dangerous than normal-level lead. So it, it seems like there was a, a almost a homeopathic potentiation of the adverse effect. Yeah, chronic low-level exposure can be detrimental. It's not a hormetic or medic action that is beneficial in any way, shape, or form here. Listen, we got to take a break. We'll be back, and we're going to visit France because that's where the Coneheads are from. In France, they're doing something very interesting related to the work week or the work day. We'll talk about it when we come back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 
In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, this weekend, the Integrative Lifestyle Forum in Davenport, Iowa. I am going to wear 10,000 layers of clothing uh, for that because it's going to be zero degrees, or, or I don't know, it's going to be ridiculous, Dr. Batar. I've got to work on my body heat potential. Uh, but uh, anyway, good good group of DO from Pakistan. I think I mentioned him before. I interviewed him a few weeks back, and uh, he's looking to help you know, that community, which is pretty hardcore medical, open up to other options and uh, invited me to speak. So I'm looking forward to being up there this weekend. That's great. Yeah, um, you did mention him to me before. I have not met him, though, but uh, you had mentioned him to me. Yeah, Dr. Syed Shaw. Nice guy. Nice guy. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope to see everybody in uh, Iowa this weekend and bundle up and stay warm. Uh, let's see. I, I maybe should go to France. France would be good. Have you ever been to you've been to France, haven't you, Doctor Batar? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was supposed to have been. I was supposed to have given a lecture there in detoxification in November, and I just it was a conflict with something else that I already had, so I couldn't. But yeah, I've been there a couple times. The French are funny. I mean, they're considered to be snooty by the Brits and even Americans because they're uppity or whatever. But they do appreciate their food. They don't like people messing with their food. And when I, when I went over there years ago, of course, I learned their word for organic is biologique. So I look for all the biologique restaurants. And, and even if it's not, it's pretty clean over there. Uh, and uh, gastronomical adventures. Now there's another adventure for workers there. According to this, France lets workers turn off, tune out, and live life. They're like, leave me alone. I'm off the clock. I'm not going to be bothered. You know, it's, it's funny because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a Trump. Trumpism, is it? Uh, politically sure. incorrect statement? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know, I, th- I thought that, okay, once they had croissants and baguettes that you could get outside the fr- outside of France, and once they had the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas, I figured, what's the point of going to France? But now this might be a good reason to go to France. <laughs> yes. Now, they see, the, the thing is, we, we do work ourselves to the bone, so to speak, in America, although not many jobs are typically working the fields like they once were. Our ancestors worked the fields to, to survive. Uh, but the idea of taking downtime, I haven't been the best at that over my life, particularly, you know, because I'm so mission oriented. and I know you are, too. And we often and, and our buddy Ty Bollinger is, too. We'll just work and work and work because we're really passionate about getting this message out. But there are times and I, and I have to say, Super Donna, you have to give me some props for the holidays. We did some encores. We rarely ever do them. <laughs> I so- think that was a record this year. Yeah. No. Over the uh, holidays, we took a few encore uh, uh, breaks and. Like I said, I never used to do that, and I'm like, I, I knew I had to be better about it because I have to be a better example for others to say there's got to be some balance in life. You can't work all the time. But, but I will say this: there's a there's a saying. I think Buddha said it. If you love a job, if you pick a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. That is true. But what happens when we're not on the clock? We tend to be healing in our own personal lives in a different way off the air, right? We're still doing what we do just in a different way. And I think, uh, you know, that was it just to uh, switch it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, mostly to give super Don a break. I don't want him cramping up at night without enough magnesium. <laughs> well, you know, this, this may be, um, I'm, I'm making the counterpoint here, but, uh, 
I have uh, been accused of being a workaholic all my life, and people that know me know when they get the emails from me at two, three, four, five <laughs> in the morning that wonder yes. when I'm sleeping. But, but here's the thing: it, nobody. I want people to understand: don't do as I do, but do as I'm preaching. And that is that <laughs> nobody on the deathbed has ever said, "I wish I had worked more." Right. People always say, yeah. "I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd spent more time doing X, Y, and Z." But nobody ever mm-hmm. says, "I wish I'd worked more." So it's an important thing to remember that when you have downtime, you're actually recovering. It it may not be like the same recovery that you do when you're sleeping, yeah. but it is a very therapeutic and and essential recovery when you take some downtime. Yeah, it's true. You don't hear people on their deathbed saying, "Geez, I'm glad I didn't have too much fun." <laughs> you know, yeah. I I wish I would have had less fun. Right. And, and it's always the other thing, you know, if I'd have just taken some time to play a little bit. And I think that's always a good lesson for us uh, that are, you know, so driven to, you know, whether we call it success, but it is in a mission-focused way, bringing that power to heal back to the people, those who are ready to hear it. We're, you know, tireless on our efforts, and I know you are, Dr. Batar, as well, and helping folks to be empowered to do that which you've done or even better. I, I completely and for that, for everyone, Robert, that, that is getting and thriving on helping others. So I thank you for that and, and Super Don as well. Yep. Happy New Year, my friend. It's a good start to 2017. I'm liking it. We're almost at the seven-year anniversary next month. Yep. Yeah, we'll be kicking that into gear. We'll talk about whether we do Advanced Medicine Monday or Tuesday next week based on my trip. But we'll, we'll connect off the air and figure it out. In the meantime, folks, this is the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty. Why, Dr. Batar, tell them, because you know it. Because the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.